Chat Chat, presented by the Journal of Athletic Training, the official journal of the National Athletic Trainers Association. I'm Dr. Kara Radzak, Associate Professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and your host for today. Today, we'll be discussing a recently published manuscript, Youth Athletes, Parents' Perceptions, and Knowledge of the Athletic Training Profession. I get to be joined by two of the authors, Dr. Alicia Lacey, who is the lead author on the manuscript and is an Assistant Professor of Athletic Training within the School of Kinesiology, Physical Education, and Athletic Training at the University of Maine. She is joined by Dr. Christy Ann Eason, who is the President of the Sports Safety at the Corey Stringer Institute housed at the University of Connecticut. Alicia and Christy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. So um, before we get into some specific questions about this manuscript, can you give us a little bit of background information of where the idea for this research came about? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm happy to take that one. So this started a a few years ago when I was at the Corey Stringer Institute as a grad student. And um, the Corey Stringer Institute is a little bit unique in that it's a nonprofit organization. So they have corporate partners. And one of the corporate partners is the NATA. Um, And part of that partnership uh, is in it kind of involves some research studies that are supported financially, um, partially partially or in full by the NATA, and also some advocacy work. Um, And the NATA actually reached out to KSI a a couple years ago related to this idea of understanding key stakeholders' perceptions and knowledge of the athletic training profession. Um, Anecdotally, and I think from, from research as well, we're seeing gaps in the public's understanding of athletic trainers, Um, who they are, what they do, uh, their education, and their qualifications. So this was really an opportunity to embark on this endeavor to understand what key stakeholders' perceptions and knowledge of athletic training are. And part of this project, part of the, the major goal of this study was to really target stakeholder groups that could be influential in the hiring of athletic trainers at the secondary school setting. Um, we're seeing a pretty good percentage of athletic trainers employed at the collegiate and professional settings, but we're still seeing some gaps in terms of employment of athletic trainers in the secondary school setting. So this is one of many ways I think that we attempted to try to target those those stakeholders who really have an influence in hiring or in the hiring process uh, of athletic trainers in the secondary school setting. So we kind of decided on who those people would be. Um, So there were six stakeholder groups. The the group that we're talking about today is just a small component of the larger study. Um, So we surveyed athletic directors, superintendents, and principals at the secondary school level. We um, surveyed state legislators as well as coaches at the secondary school level. And then the parents, of course, which we're talking about today. Um, So again, it was really just an opportunity for us to understand what parents already know um, and how they can be sports safety advocates for their children. Thank you. So talking about what parents um, bring to the table, how what is known about how parents influence decision-making regarding youth sports teams and secondary schools and providing athletic training medical coverage and medical care? Yeah, so a lot of uh, what we know about parents and their influence on sports safety and youth sports safety um, is anecdotal. Uh, So at the Corey Stringer Institute, we're very fortunate that we've um, been able to work with some great parent advocacy groups. Um, But unfortunately, many of those individuals have been touched by a catastrophic illness or injury or sadly the death of a child. So um, groups like um, the Zach Martin Foundation or the Jordan McNair Foundation, um, there is some research that suggests that parent associations 
have more influence on setting standards and policies directly related to their own children compared to other school-wide policies. And there was actually a study by Kleins et al. that was published uh, several years ago that looked at um, high school athletic directors. And what they found in that study was that the athletic directors identified parents as key influencers um, on decisions to hire athletic trainers or not. I think the other thing, um, you know, Alicia referenced conversations about what stakeholder groups did we want to include in this in this study. And I think a big impetus for including parents was that we sort of thought that no one was going to fight harder for their child's safety than for parents or advocates. So it was definitely a group that we wanted to investigate further in, in the perception study. So tell us more about this study in particular. Um, how did you define youth sports? Yeah, so I really appreciate that question because I would I would say that the parent stakeholder group that we surveyed was very different uh, mm -hmm. compared to the other stakeholder groups that we were able to access as part of this study. So in terms of defining youth sports or youth athletes, uh, because we had to target uh well, it was very difficult to target parents. Let me just start there. <laughs> They're a very hard stakeholder group to access. Um, so in order to access them to get a nationwide sample, we went through USA Football. Um, and because we went through USA Football, because that was the, the group that we were targeting in terms of sampling, that really made us have to open up that definition of, of youth sports beyond just parents in the secondary school setting. Mm. Um, so when I say parents of youth athletes, the, the youth athletes are really individuals involved in organized sports under the age of 18 is how okay. we define Now, since you were sampling primarily from USA football parents, how do you think this might have influenced your findings? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think with any study that is looking at individuals' perceptions or knowledge or experiences of some topic, there's always a possibility that their previous experience can impact the results of the study, either a positive or, or either in a positive or a negative way. Um, and I think working again with USA Football was purposeful because we really didn't have a way to access a nationwide sample of parents. It would be fantastic if there was a national registry for parents where I can just go to one spot and get all of that contact information, uh, but that simply just doesn't exist, even though that would be really beneficial. Uh, so we decided to go through USA Football again so we can access as many parents as possible. The goal for this was, was really getting a nationwide sample for all of our stakeholder groups and going through USA Football was a way for us to access a nationwide sample of parents. Um, but I will say there is that inherent chance that it could influence the, the results. And we acknowledge that as a potential limitation of the study. Mm -hmm. We recognize that as a potential limitation, so much so that we decided to run the data on it and really see if there is an impact in terms of previous experience on knowledge and perceptions. And what we ended up finding uh, was that parents who previously knew an athletic trainer before participating in, in the survey and in the study, they were almost two times more likely to consider an athletic trainer employed at the school as a top sports safety measure. Um, so I think it just does show the, the role that exposure and experience and interactions, previous interactions do have on knowledge and perceived value. Um, but I, I think it's almost a positive thing, right, that we were able to see that because we sampled athletic trainers who have largely had interactions with, uh, excuse me, we were able to sample and survey parents 
who already largely have interacted with athletic trainers previously. And that's data that we wouldn't have had if we potentially used just parents who didn't interact with athletic trainers previously, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah, that's really that's, confirming. That's my thought. Christy, I don't know if you have anything else to add. So the only other thing that I would add too is, is obviously this group of parents, their, um, their children were participating in football. That might not have been the only sport that the child was participating in, but we also recognize that football is um, a, a contact sport with high risk of injury. And so to Alicia's point, there's there's certainly um, probably some influence there. And, and we tried to just be as opaque with that as possible in, in the manuscript. Yeah, you guys did a really good job of outlining that. But I do think it's very valuable having that confirmation that experiencing athletic training medical care leaves a positive note and is key to um, the parents' views of the profession. So give us a little bit more information about what other things were you investigating in the study, a little bit of methodology, if you could. Yeah, um, so... We went about this from a mixed methodology standpoint. So because our goal was to access a nationwide sample, the largest sample of these stakeholder groups as we could possible, the the easiest way and most strategic way to go about doing that was through survey-based research. Um, So developing an online survey that we housed through the Qualtrics platform, and we were able to disseminate that survey to a nationwide sample of all of those stakeholder groups. So survey methodology was purposeful in that regard in order to access as many people as we could. Um, But we didn't just want to have numbers collected in that survey, not to dismiss the importance of solely quantitative research, um, but we saw value in not only having quantitative items on the survey that assessed uh, and explored parents' knowledge and perceptions about athletic training, but we also wanted to include a space on the survey through open-ended questions where parents can really just expand more so on their experiences, on their interactions, if they had interactions with athletic trainers, on their perceptions. Um, And when you have both of those data types, it really allows you to get a a more holistic understanding, a clearer picture um, of what parents' understanding of athletic training is and what their knowledge and perceptions are. So the, the survey was largely quantitative in terms of collecting numbers, Um, to understand perceptions and knowledge, but also we had that very important qualitative piece through the open-ended questions that gave us some more context to the numbers that we were seeing in the survey. So how did the parents feel regarding access to athletic training, medical care, and child safety? What are some of your findings? Great Um, question. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I don't know if either if you want to take it or I want to take it. You um, yeah, so I mean, I think largely what we were finding is that parents value athletic trainers. They value medical care. So from a value standpoint, when they're asked directly of how valuable do you think an athletic trainer is to the health and safety of student athletes, they were pretty transparent in terms of indicating that uh, athletic trainers were very valuable or extremely valuable to the health and safety of of student athletes. So from a, what do parents think about um, access to an athletic trainer, access to medical care, what do they care about their their child's health and safety? There, it was very apparent that there was a, a heavy emphasis placed on the value uh, of an athletic trainer or of a medical provider um, there to provide care to to their child. Um, from a knowledge standpoint, I would say that um, 
they were pretty knowledgeable about the athletic trainer's role to some extent. So there are aspects of the athletic trainer's role, one that I think they were exposed to that they knew more mm-hmm. about. And then the aspects of the athletic trainer role that they didn't see that were maybe behind the scenes or they didn't have a direct exposure to. Those were things that they were less aware of and less knowledgeable about. So the two things that were most important in terms of the study were understanding value, perceived value, and then knowledge of the athletic training role and of the the qualifications and education. So I think from a value standpoint, they absolutely value having somebody there. That was probably what I could say, you know, fist to the to the table was the most important thing that that was evident in the data that we have. Um, And then from a knowledge standpoint, what they're seeing most often in interactions with athletic trainers is what they know most about. And that makes sense. Um, And what they're not seeing is largely where those those knowledge gaps are. So Christy, I don't know if you want to expand um, on anything, but those were those highlights for me in terms of parents' um, feelings about medical care and having somebody there for their for their children. Yeah, Alicia, I said you. I think you said that perfectly. Um, and I would just reemphasize the point that that you had mentioned earlier about athletic trainers who did um, have pre-existing um, relationships with athletic trainers or new athletic trainers. They did um, rate an athletic trainer employed at a school as as um, a safety measure higher than individuals who didn't. And I think you know we've mentioned this, but it just speaks so much to the value of that parent athletic trainer relationship. I know from working in clinical practice, the parent um, can sometimes add um, a demanding challenge to our jobs, but they can also be an amazing advocate. And I think it really emphasizes the importance um, of those relationships that we can build um, with parents as athletic trainers um, when we're in patient care. And you guys alluded to this, but what were some of the areas that of the AT's role you would have liked to see the parents know more about? What are some of those knowledge gaps the parents have? Yeah, so I think in general, uh, for me, I think I just would have liked to see a little bit more of an understanding that athletic trainers do more than just cover sports, right? The whole coverage versus care uh, debate. I think in my view, looking at the data, I would have liked to see that parents understood the value added by having an athletic trainer on site as opposed to maybe another medical provider. Again, not to dismiss uh, the importance and value of other healthcare professions, but we know very well that athletic trainers are trained um, in terms of their education, in terms of their qualifications, in terms of their skill set to really be that, that most qualified person there on the sidelines in the athletic training facility to provide the care that's needed at that time for emergent or non-emergent injuries. Um, So I I think I just would have liked to see that distinction a little bit more. There was a heavy emphasis placed from the parent perspective on just having somebody there. It Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily, I want an athletic trainer there. Um, So I think just my view on it was hoping that parents would maybe value the role of the athletic trainer a little bit more in that regard in terms of understanding the qualifications of an athletic trainer there as opposed to another medical professional. Um, And I think just one more thing for me, we asked them to indicate what they thought athletic trainers were qualified to do as part of their role. So it was a select all that applied question. Um, And I think for me, I would have liked for them to uh, recognize a little bit more the role of the athletic trainer in emergency care, uh, the role of the athletic trainer in and the ability to perform injury evaluations, and then also administrative tasks. So administrative tasks was lowest in terms of the number or percentage of parents who responded saying that's something that athletic trainers are qualified to do. And I think that largely is because 
parents are not exposed to those administrative responsibilities. They, they don't see the athletic trainer document. They don't see the athletic trainer develop and review policies and procedures. And those play a huge role in liability reduction. And mm-hmm. I I don't think that that's what parents are exposed to a lot. So to me, it makes sense that they didn't really know that aspect of the athletic trainer's role, but it would just be nice for for parents eventually to get to the point that they recognize and understand the full scope uh, of the athletic trainer's role. So one of the things that you guys asked that I really liked was you specifically asked what was the monetary value of an athletic trainer? Um, and you straight up ask them to give salaries. So what did you find? What do athlete, what do um, student athletes' parents think we should be making? So we felt that this was such an important question for a lot of reasons. It's been a hot topic of debate within the profession. And this was a question that we asked universally across all of the stakeholder groups in the larger perception study. And, and what we found is that parents selected higher um, salaries for athletic trainers than any of our other administrative groups. And actually more than uh, just about half um, of parents in our sample selected a value that's above the national average that was reported by the National Athletic Trainers Association in their most recent um, salary survey. And and so of course we, we were really excited about this data. And I think Based on that finding, in conjunction with some of the other things parents had been telling us, I think it really highlights the value placed on the immediate and accessible care for their children um, that they value so highly and they perceive athletic trainers are able to deliver. So yeah, we were really excited about this um, uh, to just realize that there are stakeholder groups that, that really value the athletic trainer and they feel like that value should be compensated appropriately in a salary. Yeah, you you mentioned that immediate medical care. And that was one of the things that with this mixed methods really stuck out to me is you were able to give some of the stories behind it. And one of the one of the um, parents talked about, I think it was like a finger injury. And they specifically said, you know, it wasn't something that was life-threatening, but there was somebody there. Can you expand on this finding of parents really valuing that immediate care? Yeah, I think it's important to distinguish immediate versus emergency care, right? So I think you said it, Kara, that it wasn't necessarily that they valued the athletic trainer's role in responding to emergent situations, potentially catastrophic situations. It was that, you know, everyday injury that's not that severe, right? That that minor sprain or that strain, um, that concussion, which of course is, is something to take very seriously, um, could or could not be catastrophic, right? But they, I know that there were parents who talked specifically about concussion, right? They just... Mm-hmm wanted somebody there to provide that immediate, not necessarily emergent, but that immediate care to their child. And having somebody there, again, it was somebody. In some of the conversations, it was an athletic trainer, but some of the parents, again, just want somebody there to provide that immediate care. Uh, It really gave them peace of mind. It gave them a sense of comfort knowing that if they weren't going to be there to take care of their child, somebody was going to be. Um, so there was, as we mentioned and said multiple times, there was definitely that emphasis um, on on just having somebody there and just how much that meant to the parent to to give them a, be able to breathe a little bit, knowing that if my child got injured, 
they're going to be okay. Somebody is there who's, who's qualified and can help them in, in their next steps to whatever they need. Yeah. And, and I would add one of the things as a qualitative researcher, um, you know, Alicia and I valued so much is, is being able to share the quotes directly from the parents. Um, they talked often about um, they felt a sense of relief that there was someone there other than a coach to take care of their child. And, and you know, you almost get the sense that um, these parents, we've been talking a lot about parents being able to advocate for the athletic training profession. You get a sense in reading the quotes that parents, you know, valued having an advocate there for their child, right? And having someone there that can advocate for the well-being and the safety of their child when the parent themselves might not be able to be on the sideline, right? And so I think that, um, you know, that came through very clearly in their quotes that they just really liked knowing that there was someone there who was keeping an eye on, on their kids. So how do we take this information that you guys identified? And I'm thinking of the secondary school clinical athletic trainer. How do they use this, um, whether it's when, things to think about in the back of their mind when they're talking with parents or when they're advocating for themselves with administration? Yeah, I love this question. So, you know, a lot of the work that I do... Um, focuses on work-life balance and burnout and issues related to retention. And I think oftentimes we put a lot of responsibility on the athletic trainer to be the advocate when we're already overworked. And I think the things about this particular um, you know, data set with parents, but also the larger stakeholder group is that um, athletic trainers have allies out there who can also help advocate for their values so that it's not always just on the athletic trainer. I think, you know, especially the data showing that athletic trainers um, who have made relationships with parents, those parents then reflect that in their responses of wanting an athletic trainer present for their children. So I think, um, you know, for the athletic trainer taking some time to, you know, to introduce themselves to parents at a parent meeting or um, having those conversations on the sidelines when they're getting ready, I think that will help um, create those, those relationships. Um, I think, you know, another thing to keep in mind is that when we look at barriers to hiring athletic trainers, budget concerns are always um, one of the, the largest cited reasons for not hiring an athletic trainer. And I think, you know, I hope that it's not just athletic trainers who are seeing this, but also school administrators, so that when you go to um, your school board and you're going to budget hearings, that you have parents who can also support this, right? And so it's it's not just the athletic trainer who's fighting for this. I think, you know, kind of looking at the National Athletic Trainers Association or our state organizations, we can look at potential um, targeting education for, again, this this group. Um, and again, I just wanted to reemphasize that there are parent advocacy groups out there that are doing, you know, great and amazing things. And so um, seeing these groups as allies and advocates in um, sports safety um, is something that I think that we can take advantage of so that it's not always the burden of the athletic trainer to have to, to fight these fights. So what are some initiatives that you'd like to see come out of your findings? Yeah, so where would you go after this? 
So as far as initiatives, I think that, and Alicia, you can probably add more onto this more so than I can, but I think a original impetus for the National Athletic Trainers Association for investigating um, these different stakeholder groups is how do we target education? And so I think um, this data um, helps us identify what, what parents know and what they don't know. And now we can, you know, have better targeted education for what they don't know. Um, so I think that there's, you know, some great possible initiatives um, on, on that behalf. I think, um, you know, other things that um, I would like to see as far as far as like future research is looking at parents in schools where they don't have athletic trainers. And, you know, how do we um, you know, build the momentum to get the support in those schools. But we need to know what those parents think as well. Um, you know, and, and I would also like to have further research investigating, you know, what parents are aware of from the perspective of sports safety. So we know that they really value having athletic trainers present um, or to Alicia's point, someone present to take care mm -hmm. of their children. Um, but do they know things about the importance of having an emergency action plan or the importance of having AEDs. You know, I think that there is likely an assumption when a parent or a guardian drops a child off at a sports practice that they're being taken care of and the appropriate things are in place. And so there can be an assumption that all of the things that should be done are being done. Um, and sometimes until they know what to look for. They don't know what to advocate for, and and so I think um, I think there's opportunity to further educate um, parents. I would just add um, the the Jordan McNair Foundation does a great job um, in educating parents, so that it's not just um, athletic trainers who are fighting for sports safety. It's now also parents who can fight for sports safety. Yeah, I, if I can add for a second, I know the NATA came out with like a checklist, basically, to in terms of of youth athletes or, or questions that parents can ask um, to ensure that the health and safety of, of their child is going to be protected. So if there are parents listening uh, or watching in when this is posted, I, I think my recommendation would be if you don't know to ask about what medical care is being provided. That is a completely okay question. It is a completely appropriate question. And it's in your right to know um, who is going to be there to protect the health and safety of your child if they get injured. So um, ask about that stuff. Don't be afraid to, to raise the question to the coach, to the athletic director, um, whoever it may be, to just make sure that your child is, is going to be able to safely participate in whatever sport it is that they, that they want to participate in. And just to um, kind of conclude, I want you guys to both tell me what, whether it's something about what you found in this study, this project, or just in general, what are some things that make you hopeful about the direction that youth sports and athletic training in youth sports and medical care in youth sports is going? Yeah, so I, I love that question. Uh, I think for me, it was that direct link between exposure and perceived value or importance of the athletic training profession. And this goes well beyond just the parent uh, stakeholder group. I think we could see this in a lot of the other stakeholder groups that we surveyed, that direct link between exposure to perceived value to improved knowledge of, of athletic trainers, of what they do, of who they are. And it's exciting to see that we're, we're getting to a point now as a profession that 
more and more people are learning about us. More and more people are hearing about us. More and more people are seeing us in action. Um, and I think that the individuals who, for example, are filling coaching positions worked with an athletic trainer potentially when they were an athlete or um, parents of youth athletes now maybe worked with an athletic trainer if they were an athlete or when they were an athlete. Um, so it's just, it, it's exciting. I think knowing that that is down the line in terms of just exposure naturally occurring over time. Um, we're seeing that knowledge about and perceptions of the athletic training profession, uh, profession excuse me, are, are hopefully going to continue to improve. Um, that's not to say we don't need to take action now. I don't think we would be doing this study to understand gaps in knowledge if there wasn't something we needed to do or should do. Um, so I do think that action needs to and should be taken now. Uh, but I am hopeful and, and really proud. I think, Carrie, you referenced this before to see that athletic trainers are really making an impact and they're making a difference in parents' lives based on the care that they're providing to the children. So Yeah. And I would echo that. So I think overall, I was positively surprised, not just with the parents, but the other stakeholder groups. Um, to, to see how much the athletic trainer was valued. As Alicia referenced, there's certainly gaps in that understanding and there's areas that we can continue um, to work to improve. But I think overall, if you looked at all of the groups, again, not just parents, that individuals who interacted with athletic trainers tended to think more positively about the athletic training profession. And so I would say to all the secondary school athletic trainers who are listening, know that you're really making a difference, that you are literally impacting the perceptions of the parents, the coaches, the administrators that you're working with, because sometimes I know it can feel like you're not. Um, but our data is showing that that interaction is really making a huge difference. And I've said this before, but I really believe that the athletic trainer employed in the secondary school setting is one of the best advocates that we have for our profession because all of those parents, all of those coaches, all of those student athletes that they're working with, they might not go on to be professional athletes, but they'll go on to be members of society and they'll continue advocating for the athletic training profession long after their high school days are, are behind them. And so for me, it was really, really encouraging to see what an impact the pre-existing relationships with athletic trainers have. And so, you know, if you're if you're feeling burnt out, if you're feeling exhausted, just know that you are making a difference. And those those differences, I think, um, you know, they will continue to improve um, working conditions for athletic trainers. I mean, look at what athletic trainers um uh, felt like should be paid, excuse me, what, what parents felt that athletic trainers should, should be paid. I mean, they value, you know, what you're doing for, for their children. So before we leave, is there any resources that you guys want to point people in the direction of that might be helpful for um, those that are listening? Christy, especially you, is there anything that might be helpful with the Corey Stringer Institute? Yeah, so so for the Corey Stringer Institute, um, we um, review state high school policies by every state. So on our website, if you go to the outreach tab, you can see what sports safety policies are required um, in each state. We also have a great project going on right now, the Innovate Project, which is where um, high schools who don't currently have athletic trainers can apply to receive funding to be able to hire an athletic trainer. Um, so those are 
some things that we're working on. We also at the Corey Stringer Institute have some great templates for emergency action plans um, and policies and, and procedures for heat illnesses and for lightning. Um, and again, it's it's not just um, athletic trainers who can be aware of that. It's all the different stakeholder groups that that we've talked about. And Alicia, I know you know um, you had mentioned some that the the National Athletic Trainers Association has as well. Yeah, I was just going to add from strictly from an advocacy standpoint in terms of this study and what we're finding. I think the at your own risk campaign mm-hmm. just has so many helpful resources in terms of how to educate other stakeholders about athletic trainers, who we are, what we do. Um, so I feel like that's always a resource that I go to in terms of uh, maybe understanding a little bit better how to advocate for for yourself, but also for specific stakeholder groups, um, how to to advocate for the athletic training profession to those specific stakeholder groups. So that is one that automatically came to mind for me that uh, would be a good resource to just to look that one up. Perfect. Thank you guys both so much for joining me today, Dr. Lacey, Dr. Eason. I really appreciate that uh, time that you took and. Anybody who is listening, this manuscript as as well as all of the offerings from the Journal of Athletic Training are available for free, open access, thanks to the funding by the National Athletic Trainers Association. So again, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having us, Kara. Thank you.